0: Hey, do you like being up to date on Catholic STL news and events? Uh, Then make sure to subscribe to this podcast, the Catholic Gateway Podcast, and all the other podcasts produced by the Archdiocese. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis on iTunes, on Stitcher, on uh, Google Play, on Overcast, any other podcast app out there that you like. Just search for us, find us, subscribe, leave us a good rating, maybe even leave a comment. And, and then share it with your friends, because it's a really easy form of evangelization. You can share the good news about the Catholic Church and the Archdiocese of St. Louis very easily, just encouraging your friends to listen to a podcast. What could be easier? So thanks for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. National Catholic Sisters Week, the Catholic Women for Christ Conference, and most 529 Plan info sessions, all on this Catholic Gateway Podcast news update. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. This is the week of March 12th through 18th, 2018. Thank you for tuning in this week. Here's what's going on and what's happened recently here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Next week, Congress will consider including the Conscience Protection Act, or the CPA, in a must-pass budget bill. The CPA would protect the conscience rights of doctors, nurses, and other healthcare providers, that do not wish to participate in abortions. Those who support abortion rights have become increasingly hostile towards health care providers who choose not to participate in abortion for religious and moral reasons. Cardinal Timothy Dolan of New York, from St. Louis, obviously, chair of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee on Pro-Life Activities and Archbishop Joseph Kurtz of Louisville, chair of the USCCB's Committee for Religious Liberty, urge the Catholic faithful to flood Congress with emails and calls asking for enactment of the Conscience Protection Act. A decision on the Conscience Protection Act's inclusion will be made prior to March 23rd, 2018. The bishops urge the faithful to pray and act by emailing and calling Congress in the coming week, especially on Monday, March 12th. And uh, you might be listening to that uh, already on the 12th, but if not, you can continue in the, uh, through the rest of the week. So, uh, urge, uh, the bishops are urging you to call Congress uh, with the message that enacting the Conscious Protection Act is urgently needed to protect Americans from being forced to violate their deeply held convictions about respect for human life. For more info, visit the website of the Missouri Catholic Conference at mocatholic.org. National Catholic Sisters Week is taking place across the United States March 8th through the 14th, and locally here in St. Louis, there is an exhibit taking place in downtown called Catholic Sisters, the Spirit of St. Louis. Friday, March 9th, was the grand opening of the exhibit, which celebrates the contributions Catholic sisters have made to the St. Louis community for the last 200 years. You can view the exhibit by visiting the St. Louis Public Library at 1301 Olive Street, Mondays through Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can find more information about the exhibit at stlcatholicsisters.org. As you may have heard, there is a new tax benefit for parochial and private school parents under the 529 Savings Plan. This is due to recent changes to federal law, which expand the 529 Savings Program, allowing Missouri families to better utilize that for K-12 expenses, where it used to be just limited to college. The Catholic Education Office and representatives from the Missouri MOST 529 Program invite you to attend parent information sessions coming up soon. These upcoming sessions will be held during the 6 to 7 p.m. hour and a repeat session from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. These sessions coming up will will take place at the following locations on March 15th. This is March 15th. You can go to Sacred Heart School in Florissant in the Parish Hall there, St. Monica Parish in the Parish Hall, St. Francis Borgia High School. Those are the three locations on March 15th. 6 to 7 p.m. and then 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. And then also on March 21st, there will be an event at the Cardinal Regali Center in Shrewsbury. Same times. You can visit archstl.org slash education for more info. The Catholic Women for Christ Conference took place on Sunday, March 10th at the Hill Performing Arts Center. The day was filled with fellowship and inspiration from speakers like Mary Beth Bonacci, Gloria Purvis, and Sister Virginia Joy from the Sisters of Life. Attendees took part in Confession and Adoration, and the St. Louis Review was there, and will have coverage in next week's paper. You may have seen recently some news involving the removal of trees in Calvary Cemetery. The removal of the trees is part of a multi-year plan to remove diseased pin oaks and replace them with saplings of at least 30 different varieties. The disease that has affected the trees is called oak gall and can be found across the state of Missouri. The galls infect the branches, causing them to weaken and fall. These falling branches can cause damage to headstones or individuals visiting their loved one's grave sites. Due to the potential effects of the disease, Calvary Cemetery has taken proactive steps in removing the trees while respecting grave sites and preventing damage or injury. Headstones are gently laid down so that the trees, once they're cut, do not damage them. And then once the trees are removed, the headstones can be gently lifted back into place. Around 200 trees have been removed in the past three years, and around 600 trees will be cut down in 17 archdiocesan cemeteries at the conclusion of the project. For every one pin oak removed, two saplings of different varieties are planted. And for more information, you can visit the Archdiocese of St. Louis YouTube page or Facebook or Twitter. And there are there's a short little video posted there that'll provide some information. For questions regarding Calvary Cemetery and the removal of Pin Oak Trees, please call 314-792-7738. Hey, if you're listening to this before Tuesday, March 13th, you're invited to come out to Kirkwood Station Brewing Company to hear me and Jennifer Brinker talk about silence, which I know may be a bit counterintuitive, but we are going to be presenting about creating silence in an overstimulated world and how our jobs here at the Archdiocese in communications give us a little bit of expertise in this idea of finding silence in a busy world. Jennifer obviously is a reporter of the St. Louis Review, and I handle media relations and other uh, responsibilities such as this podcast, so we definitely know what it's like to have a busy uh, noisy world and finding silence can be especially important. So come out on Tuesday night if you're listening to this before Tuesday, March 13th, Kirkwood Station Brewing Company, Theology on Tap, presented by St. Louis Young Adults. It's from 7 p.m. to 8, 30 p.m. And Jennifer and I will be around afterwards to talk as well. We'd love to see you if you are a regular podcast listener. So hope you can make it out.
1: One One
2: One Unos Two 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 Duos Three 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 Tres One, Two, Three, Four, Five Four 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 Quattro Five Five, five. Quinque. Quintessentials 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 Five Things You Need To Know
1: Five Things You Need To Know Five Things You Need To Know
0: I'll Give You Five Things You Need To Know these are the five quintessential stories from the St. Louis Review hands-picked by the review staff for you to share and discuss this week. These stories can be found at stlouisreview.com slash five things or in the paper dated March twelfth through eighteenth,
1: twenty eighteen. One. one one Holding
0: on to dreams, those covered under the DACA program see support from parishes, peers, and others in spite of a political roller coaster. Joe Kenny shares the story of Eric Reyes, who was brought here at age three and grew up in St. Anne, and how he's been pleased by support from his parish and friends.
2: Two, two, two.
0: Local swimmer accomplished yet humble, sophomore Ellie Wehrman of Incarnate Word Academy blazed across the pool at the Missouri Class 1 State Girls Swimming and Diving Championships in February at the St. Peter's Recplex in St. Peter's. There she won the 200. And 100 meter freestyle events. Amidst her success, she remains humble, and Joe Kenny explains how through her hard work and humility, Wehrman inspires her teammates at the Catholic High School.
2: Three, three,
0: three. 200 years of Catholic education. The Archdiocesan Office of Archives highlights 200 years of Catholic education in Catholic STL with a new exhibit in the Rosati Museum Room at the Cardinal Regali Center. Dave Luking has more on the rose colored glasses that provided the vision for St. Louis. And in just a few minutes, I'll talk to Eric Fair, the director of archives for the Archdiocese of St. Louis about this exhibit. So stay tuned. Four, four, four. No longer trapped, DePaul USA's expansion in St. Louis, St. Lazar House is now full and showing positive results for young people. Joe Kenny explains how this ministry helps homeless young adults. Five, five, five. five. Hashtag, this is my a Ferguson project helps fulfill Good Shepherd Art Center's mission with events such as art storming, which is brainstorming with art, and the kickoff event for Hashtag This Is My Ferguson, an exhibit about Ferguson set for an August opening at multiple venues in and around Ferguson. Dave Luking has this story. There's a look at what is happening around the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Remember, for these stories, events, and more, visit stlouisreview.com and archstl.org. And follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the St. Louis Review on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Weekly news update for this week, March 12th through 18th, 2018. I will sit down with Eric Fair from the archives of the Archdiocese here in just a minute to talk about the new exhibit they have on 200 years of history here. But first, here's Michael Horn with the Office of Laity and Family Life with another episode in our series on the precepts of the Catholic Church.
2: As we enter another week of the holy season of Lent, today's reflection will be on prayer, which is the second component of the three traditional practices of the Catholic Church during the season of Lent. And so prayer, what is prayer? Uh, it's been defined in many different ways by different people. I just like to call it union with God. And so it takes a variety of forms, whether it's adoration or meditation vocal prayer things like the rosary or contemplation whatever it might be there's so many ways for us to pray but it is union with god and so it's so important for us in a world that's very very busy today and very very noisy in many different ways to take times of silence and solitude to be with our lord so that we might know him and so we have the blessing every day to have the eucharist available in several catholic churches that are local here in st louis That's a great way for us to unite and to enter into communion with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's also many adoration chapels. There's many groups and many apostolates that gather to pray the rosary to take time in silent meditation each day. And so I just invite you to take 15 minutes or more this week and each day remaining in Lent to just reflect on your relationship with Christ and where you are with him and uh, just to ask him two essential questions who are you, and what are you asking me to do? The same questions that St. Paul asked when he was experiencing his conversion that he asked the Lord. Who are you, sir, and what would you have me do?
0: If you've listened to the Catholic Gateway Podcast at any time over the past few months, uh, you know that this is the 200th anniversary of Catholic St. Louis, the arrival of Bishop William Valentine, Louis William Valentine de Burgh uh, in 1818, marked sort of the beginning of a new era in this region when it comes to the Catholic Church. And so uh, the St. Louis Review this week, the edition dated March 12th through 18th, has a Dave Luking article about that history. Uh, it's entitled Rose-Colored Glasses, provide vision for St. Louis, and it's all about a new exhibit here at the Cardinal Regali Center that's opened up recently that shows the history of Catholic STL, and so rather than bring in uh, Dave, which he's a great reporter, and this is a great article, I encourage everybody to go read it, I thought, you know what, we'll go right to the source, because it was right here in our building, uh, Eric Fair. <laughs> Eric is the Director of the Archives for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, so welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hey, thanks, Gabe.
1: You know, as archivists, we're all about the primary source, so I'm glad to be here. Exactly. (laughs)
0: You're as primary as we're going to get for this (laughs) this point. So, uh, Eric, talk about this exhibit, and um, I think I know the motivation why, obviously, 200 years. Right. Um, What sort of research, though, did you have to do
1: to put this together? Well, you know, uh, the, the the thing for us is eighteen eighteen such a foundational year just for the entire area um, and the various roots that are that are put down and generated that spread throughout the archdiocese and so um, with it with it being sort of the old world coming to the new, new world, um, not only is it is it the uh, archival record that we have here within the archdiocese, which we do have, we have we have uh, primary source documents, letters, correspondence um, from the from the various clergy and and from the bishops that date all the way back to the uh, early 19th century. In fact, we have some that date back to the late, se- uh, late e- 1700s, to the late 18th century.
0: Wow. Um, but that's got to be cool. I just got to stop there for a second. That's going to be cool when you oh, pull that stuff it's, out. Oh,
1: it's, it's something when you pull it out and you see, I mean, it's in French script because the language of the church at the time was French. It goes all the way up until... Uh, uh, probably the the middle or so of of Archbishop Kenrick's uh, uh, tenure here um, when he finally says, enough is enough, I'm an Irishman, I'm tired of reading French. (laughs) (laughs) And the the language of the church (laughs) in St. Louis, that is. The language of the church in St. Louis, yeah, 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 yeah. not the language of the church over but the language of the church in St. Louis. Really the language of the church of the Mississippi Valley because this was all essentially French territory for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, to backtrack a little bit, yeah, so, um, you know, we have to backtrack the primary source documents as well as backtracking the individuals and the historical figures that come here. So the primary source documents kind of track their way from Europe to the East Coast to St. Louis. And so when you're doing the research, you have to work your way back through those primary source documents. Sure.
0: So talk about the exhibit then and how it's organized. There's sort of three different sections to it, if you will. what, right. How is it? How is it ordered? And
1: right. So um, the three different sections kind of store, correspond to the three different tracks that developed because of um, the 1818 anniversary, and really uh, the primary figure in all of it is is Bishop Dubourg. He's mm-hmm. he's the one. He's sort of the visionary that comes here and and brings all of the resources and individuals with him. Um, when he is a, when he establishes bishopric here in St. Louis, he made it all um, happen. Right. I mean, it was, right, he was his vision. Uh, his, his, uh, he, he was a catalyst. He right? wasn't so much of an administrator, but he was very much of a visionary. And um, he spends when he becomes the apostolic administrator of the uh, um, diocese of Louisiana and the Floridas. I always I always have to stop and think Louisiana and the Floridas. Right. Um, not Saint Louis, <laughs> right? Right, not Saint Louis. At the time, this is still part of a very large diocese that really incorporates, really incorporates most of what is the Louisiana territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, eventually, what happens is it gets split into Upper Louisiana, which becomes the Diocese of Saint Louis in eighteen twenty-six, and then the Diocese of New Orleans gets formed after that as well. Um, so, but when he if, if first he becomes the Apostolic Administrator. Of New Orleans, of the of Louisiana and the Floridas, and when he finds that out, he goes back to Rome to start raising funds and to start seeking out volunteers to support his mission there. And at that time, he finds out the previous bishop has um, resigned, and he will be named bishop of Louisiana and the Floridas. Surprise!
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, while you're here, yeah, <laughs> uh, might as well, because so he was actually then uh, uh, ordained. Well, no, he was a bishop at that point,
1: right? When he, get, when he gets when he gets named bishop, that's when he becomes bishop. He was still uh, a priest when he was as administrator. As wow! As a, and
0: so he was in Rome doing his work, right? And right. he was ordained in Rome, right? Yeah. So
1: he redoubles his efforts to find uh, volunteers and resources, and that's when he goes to France, and that's when he mm-hmm. finds uh, he lands on Sophie Brath's doorstep and finds. Rose Philippine Duchenne, who is eager and Not alone. a bad find. Right, you know? right. <laughs> it's
0: like if we're going to talk <laughs> about
1: like you know fantasy uh, church draft, Right, right, you know? <laughs> right. He, he really knows how to play it. That's right. Uh, 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 yeah, and he finds an, an eager and willing uh, Rose Philippine Duchenne who's, who's lived her life looking for mission work in the new world. He goes to uh, uh, Italy and finds uh, Joseph Rosati and Felix DeAndre, who are willing and eager to come to the new world. And establish uh, a, a Vincentian presence here on the Mississippi River.
0: And that's a big point, the willing and eager, because as uh, Dave so aptly quotes in his article, uh, a letter, um, I think he quotes Eric Holtz, one of your uh, right. staff members, yep. quoting a letter from St. Rose Philippine Duchenne yep. that says, this is a hard place to live. Oh my you gosh. You know, you can imagine this area I mean, just now we're experiencing crazy weather fluctuations—snow right. one day and 70 degrees the other day. You know that in 1818 would have been just
1: oh, it would have been incredibly difficult, an awful hardship. Um, there's a letter from Felix DeAndre that he didn't include mm-hmm. in the in the exhibit, but he's talking about when, did, when the the Vincentians come, they land at Saint Mary of the Barons, and they they essentially form the first um, the first uh, um, seminary uh, in the uh, territory, which becomes the diocese of Saint Louis. Uh, and he's talking about life in the winter at Perryville. And he talks about how awful it is. He's, he's talking about that. You know, he's, he know, he realizes that he's essentially on the same uh, uh, latitude as France. Mm-hmm. And so it should be very moderate here. Right. <laughs> but he, so he can't understand why it's so cold. And he said, you know, you, you put on bearskins, you put on coats, and you walk away from the fire and you freeze. He's, you know he says the wine in the chalice when he's trying to when he 's trying to give mass it freezes while wow. he's up there on the altar, wow. and so he has to keep a fire by the altar so he can warm the wine as he's, as he's saying mass Wow so you can just imagine those kind of hardships. I mean here you know we're in a, we're in a nice climate controlled facility with heat in the winter right. and air conditioning in the summer we don't really face that kind of stuff day to day, but no. There they had to suffer through it all the time, every day. Right? You building know, building
0: what we now enjoy right? stand on the shoulders of. Right. Yeah, they had to build all that. Wow. You know, and to go back to Bishop De DeBerg, though, I mean, and I was kind of joking about, you know, the, the fantasy Catholic draft, right? But, like, the lives that he touched or, or that touched him or, you know, that he was—people he was around and right. interacting with in this new world—
1: I mean, it's like a who's who of Catholics in America. Right, well, you... and not only Catholics in America, just but, he, I mean, it's such a confluence of history, too. I mean, one of the reasons why he ends up so important in the New World is because he's essentially forced to flee France. Uh, he's there when the French Revolution takes place. And, of course, with uh, what the follow-up, Reign of Terror, when they suppress the Catholic Church, I mean, if you don't leave uh, France, you're likely to face all kinds of different torture, imprisonment, and even execution if you stay. So uh, many Catholic leaders and, and, and um, Catholic orders leave, leave France at the time, and he's one of them. So he ends up in the Caribbean. He comes back up to the East Coast. He's, 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 he's important in founding um, St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore, St. Mary's Seminary in, um, and College in Baltimore. He has a, a hand in founding um, uh, Mount St. Mary's in Emmitsburg, uh, and when he's um, when he's working on that, uh, he corresponds with uh, Elizabeth Ann Seton, and he's one, he's one of the he's one of the prelates that's instrumental in getting her to come yeah, to Mount Saint Mary. I Ayers. think your
0: exhibit says that he
1: uh, uh, convinced her to stay right. and start a girls' school or something. Right, right, yeah. right. So yeah, it's just one after the other after the other of these yeah. people that he. At Georgetown did. University. He was president for in a year Georgetown college, college. Yep, yep. Before he comes over here, and then of course you know when he's here. He's he's the one that that starts what what he calls St. Louis Academy, and then when he realizes that they just don't have the staffing and the funding to to have a bishop's college essentially here in St. Louis on its own, he starts talking to the Jesuits. He corresponds with Charles Neal, who was here, who was um, one of the primary Jesuits here, and then they are willing and eager to take on the responsibilities of having an educational resource here in St. Louis, which, as we all know, becomes St. Louis University.
0: And that's an interesting trivia fact. And if you Catholics out there listening in St. Louis, St. Louis University was not founded by the Jesuits. No, it was not. It was a diocesan school. It's it's a tricky
1: thing because (laughs) technically uh, St. Louis University kind of has two start dates. Right, you have the you have the eighteen eighteen start date with the Bishop's College under De and then once the Jesuits take over, there is a there is a period it's, of time yeah, it changes. where it wasn't functioning, right. and then it picks back up yeah. again.
0: But those roots go back to they go yeah. all the way back. So you know. fun trivia here. Well. Eric, we could talk and talk and talk about oh, the yeah. history of Catholic St. Louis and go
1: on and on. And I'm happy to do
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have your job. So that, uh, that exhibit, though, explains a lot of this information, has a lot of it on display with uh, photocopies, uh, uh, scans of... of historical documents, old pictures. It's really fascinating. Uh, it's here in the Cardinal Regali Center. It's not technically open to the public because it's also a room that's used for meetings and stuff. Right. But if anybody anybody who wants to come to Daily Mass and see if the room's open, you're welcome to. Daily Mass here is at 1145, and then you can go over and see if the museum room's open or... They can contact
1: your office? Right, yeah. We're helpi- We're always happy to help groups and individuals take a look at what we have. What's, sure.
0: a, what's a good phone
1: number where they can reach the uh, uh, You can the get a hold of us at uh, area code 314-792-7020, or we, also, we actually have just a general archives inbox, and that is just archives at archstl.org, and there's always somebody that answers that email, and we can get a hold of you too.
0: Great. Eric, this was very informative, and uh, I hope people are interested enough to obviously pick up the review and read this article from dave luking in the march 12th through 18th edition but hopefully they'll come in as well and visit the exhibit so
1: great yeah we'd love it thanks gabe yeah so
0: happy to do it thanks eric Yep. thank you for listening to this episode of the catholic gateway podcast we always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast just send them to communications at archstl.org that's Communications at archstl.org. Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter at archstl, is our handle there, at archstl. And we're on Instagram at Catholicstl. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook. Also, Twitter and Instagram under the handle at St. Louis Review. That's ST Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis.